coming up on Chasing the Natty, it's depth chart day and we get to tell you what matters and what doesn't matter so much. We also get to talk about the biggest games of week one and we also get to show you all the games that are going to be scoring a lot of points this week and the players you're going to want to start in each of those games. All that and more right after this. Goes to the end zone. Oh, what a catch! Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama! Watch out for Mr. Robinson. This kid is going to be special and is already flashing. This is Chasing the Natty, a college football fantasy podcast. All right. Welcome, welcome. This is the Chasing the Natty podcast, a college football fantasy podcast. I am your host at CFF underscore Xavier on Twitter, Xavier Hood. Alongside me, I have my host, Jared Palmgren at CFF Jared. Make sure you at him on Twitter for all your fantasy football needs, as well as me as um, me as well. But as you've heard in the teaser, we have a lot to discuss. It's depth chart day, Jared. So much to discuss. Oh yeah, and it's week one. We are officially in the heat, the beginning of the season. Like actual, like so many a full slate of games from Wednesday to Monday. I believe that we start uh, the last uh, the end of week one is. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot to discuss. Um, we're gonna do a little bit of uh, you know the bigger games, uh, a lot of the high scoring games to see who we should look out for, who we should start. But yeah, uh, we'll just start off today. Uh, just you know. How's everything going, Jared? Week zero is now behind us, and now we're getting into the nitty-gritty of the start of college football season. Oh, yeah. like Again, like I said on the last show, it was a very nice teaser, a little uh, little bit of an appetizer for us in week zero. Uh, not a lot of close games, but, you know, college football is back. Uh, got to kind of get a little practice for ourselves in terms of like looking out for players and everything like that. Got, got, those, uh, got our minds straight after all of that. So now we get the main course, we get week one, and boy, oh boy, we got a lot of big games this weekend. I've been hearing a lot of people saying that it's probably the best week one slate they've seen in years. And so, like I said, we're going to have plenty of time to talk about all that. But first is this, this I completely forgot when I was outlining this show uh, that today was supposed to be depth chart day. This was uh, when a lot of teams decided to release their final life quote-unquote final depth charts ahead of their week one games and so Xavier we're gonna play a little game here um I've been scouring through a lot of these all day I've uh, been keeping up with them uh thank you to Mike Bainbridge by the way uh over at the CFF site I've been on his discord basically all day and that has been a great way for me to try to keep up with all the latest and breaking news over there so if you haven't joined that discord it is worth every penny you should absolutely be a part of it but anyway, Xavier, I have a list of things here that I want to mention to you. And you're okay. going to tell me, is this something that matters or do you think that there's something else going on here? Okay. So the first things I'm going to mention here is that Ches Malusi was labeled the running back one at Wisconsin and Jalen Berger was labeled the running back two. Now, obviously, for a lot of Jalen Berger stakeholders out there, this is devastating news because a lot of people were kind of taking him as like a later rb1 if they didn't go rb1 rb in the first three or four rounds so 
is there something to this or do you think this is just hold like we should hold on not overreact to this what do you think all right we're gonna pump the brakes on this one uh right. yeah we're gonna have to stop and uh d- dissect this a little bit it is very disappointing to hear that Jalen Berger did not get the start now there's a lot of speculation is this more of like a result of his injury or did Ches Malusi just outright beat him out so it is it, it leaves a lot to uh, question and ponder about um I it, it will, I mean, it's just week one. So this is just the week one depth chart. Things can change. Things can happen throughout games. Things can happen throughout the season where Jalen Berger regains that RB1 classification. Or Ches Malusi can just outright just be the better back for Wisconsin this upcoming season. He is a senior, I believe. So he has that uh, that pedigree of knowing the offense a little bit more and having that seniority. While as Jalen Berger, even though he was a freshman last year, it was a COVID season. So technically he can still be classified as a freshman. So he has plenty of time to figure it out. He will probably be the RB1 going into the future years unless they find, like, you know, another five-star back uh, in recruiting. But I, I think it's uh, it's something noteworthy to say for week one. It is a little scary for the people that uh, drafted Jalen Berger. I know for the past few months we've all had Jalen Berger as, like, you know, as a first-round – not a first-round QB, but, like, an RB1 or maybe an RB2 in some leagues – and now that you're saying that he's not going to start, it's a little bit worrisome. Yeah, no, I think it's very fair. Do you think it's fair for me to say to people that if you have Jalen Berger, find a way to make room for Ches Malusi on your roster? Do you think that's a fair thing to say? Absolutely, absolutely. Because at the end of the day, if we're all banking on J- uh, Jalen Berger's talent, I, I I will say keep him. But if Ches Malusi, you know, is that better back for Wisconsin this season, then you got it. You basically got the Jalen Berger replacement for a Wisconsin running for the Wisconsin running back one. Now, if not, then he's an easy cut. Mm-hmm. And if you, uh, yeah, if you're doing a draft, you're always gonna have like maybe one or two easy cuts to make. So Ches Malusi is definitely a guy that I would pick up. Um, what if it's fifty fifty split? Or are you worried about Ooh. that at all? Yeah, that is that is another uh, another worry, uh, another factor that I have to take in. Uh, if it is 50-50, then that's going to have me a little bit more concerned. But I feel but, like with college football, it's so the, – the great thing about college football, you have so many players, the fact that you can, like, you know, wait out the season, and there's going to be a guy to break out. It always happens every season. Mm-hmm. And you just have to, you know, be diligent and find that guy to replace Jalen Berger or Ches Malusi. But I, I'm gonna hope for the best that Jalen Berger, you know, gets the you know, gets back in the RB one form, and it, maybe it'll be like sixty forty. Sounds good. All right, we'll go ahead and move on to the next piece of depth chart news here, and that's Stephen Carr, transfer from University of Southern California, USC, whatever you want to call them. Um, he was labeled the running back one on the Indiana depth chart today. Now, a lot of people, myself included, thought that Tim Baldwin Jr would be the starting running back for Indiana to at least start the season, but it looks like Carr has already taken over that spot. So Xavier, what are your thoughts here? Uh, I think this is great. Uh, you know, it's, it's just a, a world of transfers to where guys are just, you know, the better talent just wins now. And Stephen Carr, for him to come in and win that Indiana job outright, because there's no or tag, I believe, for Indiana's depth chart. Uh, I can double uh, check that, but I do believe you're right. Yeah, so for him to not have that or tag and just be the better back, uh, it it speaks uh, volumes to that. I, I won't. I will be a little bit hesitant about picking him up right now because it's not much that I know about Stephen Carr. Like I know he uh, played at USC. wasn't You know, USC didn't have the greatest of backs. You know, in the past few years, but they had talent. So to see what that looks like in the Big Ten, it, it's just it just leaves you know 
some curiosity to be, you know, left out there for the season. I believe they're first. Who's, who they play on uh, week one? Iowa. Iowa. Ooh, that's a, that's a tough team. That would be a true test. Uh, so yeah, after week one, if he ends up having a good game, then I'd 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 buy into the stock because I think I believe Iowa is a great program to test to see if Stephen Carr has any value for the rest of the season. I mean, I, I I don't disagree with a single thing that you said just now because that in, it, that Indiana RB one we saw with Stevie Scott about two years ago um, can easily become a very very valuable asset for yourself. So I think if again if he does solidify that RB one, I did just look at the depth chart. There is no or tag next to him or Tim Baldwin. So if he does solidify the majority of those carries or at least the plurality of them. I absolutely would be considering Carr for the future. Next piece of news here. This is less depth chart, but just more news in general, like roster news. Uh, Tion Dollard is officially out at Akron. Uh, there was a lot of speculation as the offseason went on. He had a felony gun charge, and there was like talk about him maybe going to prison for some time, but he would be back later in the season. Uh, but now it is official that he is he is out. Uh, Ak- or Akron has said that he is no longer part of the roster. So Xavier, not that there's a ton to talk about here, but just like any any more additional thoughts here. Yeah, uh, once the news came out, you know the speculation came out early in the season. I believe it was back in like April where we heard the news. Uh, his ADP just tanked, so it was appropriate for the time. Um, it is sad to say, you know, for a guy like that, uh, he was a great back at uh, Akron, but uh, you know. Sometimes it just doesn't end up, uh, you know, well for some of these kids. And, you know, they make mistakes. Things uh, things happen. And he's no longer with the program. And now he's just uh, out there. And hopefully he can get his life together and do things for the better and maybe get back on the football field. But if not, then it just is what it is. And Akron will have to go out with the season without him. He was a great back, too, for them. Probably their entire offense. Yeah, and I'm, I, again, like you said, there's not much else I can add to it there. And I will go ahead and throw out there, if, if for some reason you are desperate, you just want that Akron running back, um, some names here to consider, uh, Anthony Williams and uh, Cole Jess. Those are the two names I've been seeing kind of thrown around today. Not entirely sure how that's going to work out but back there. But if they're anything like Tion Dollard, they could be a very good asset for you, especially once they get into Mac play. But until then, just kind of keep both those guys on your watch list, I'd say. Uh, the next one was probably one of the bigger surprises of the day, especially among the fantasy community, uh, of college fantasy community. And that's when Auburn's depth chart is released today. And wide receiver, long considered to be the number one option for the offense this year, Elijah Canyon is nowhere to be found on the Auburn depth chart. Not as a backup, not as a three deep. He is just not there. So Xavier, what are you what are you thinking? You hearing anything? What's going on here? Yeah, this has really been hard to uh, find because I, I once I saw the depth chart, I was like, all right, where's Elijah Canyon? Um, is he hurt? Is he injured? Did he leave the program? There's so many things that can happen now with a lot of these uh, players. You know, with you have I'll take Eric Gilbert as example. He's away from the team at the moment for Georgia, and you know he's not uh, he's probably not going to be available for week one or maybe he'll show up eventually we don't know yet the uh, things mm-hmm. can happen until saturday but it, it just leaves a lot of like uh question marks of like where is elijah canyon because even though he came as a three-star recruit he he showed promise in the spring game and you know her a lot of news over camp as well too so it just it, it's very just i i don't even know how to explain it it's just frustrating to see i'm just like all, all right what's what's happening with auburn but I'm gonna I'm gonna hold off on caution, you know, for people that have ownership of Elijah Canyon. 
I won't say hit the panic button just yet. There can be news that will come out. And, you know, maybe he's just away from the team for the for the week or he had an injury, hopefully nothing major. But for the time being, it, it is a shock to say. I mean, I think he's a very, like, if you find, like, if, you, if you're looking at the waiver wire right now and you see somebody that you're like, oh, my God, how did nobody in my league pick this up? And you have Elijah Canyon on your roster. I think he's a pretty easy cut for somebody with a bit more or a bit less uncertainty right now. Yeah. So and I don't think anybody's like, even if he comes back and he starts at the Auburn depth chart, he doesn't strike me as a guy that people are going to be scrambling at the waiver wire to pick up immediately. So I don't think you're in a massive danger to lose him, even if you do drop him for right now. So in my opinion, I think you drop him, try to pick up somebody with a little bit less uncertainty. Yeah. Uh, next one. This one I got angry about because I was just, this, like, I, like if you're in the Discord and everything, I, I had like a little angry emoji reacting to this one. Uh, Mississippi State, their depth chart comes out today. And Jaden Wally is listed as a co-starter at the Y wide receiver position and is the only wide receiver position to have a or title. So Xavier, Jaden Wally has been a guy that a lot of us have been projecting as the number one wide receiver on this offense, but suddenly he's sharing snaps with Austin Williams at the Y position. Meanwhile, Makai Polk and uh, Malik Heath and uh, Jameer Calvin are all by themselves at their wide receiver positions. Is this, uh, should we be panicking about Jaden Wally or should we be like, what's going on here? Or, or more likely than anything else, is this just, is this just Mike Leach screwing with all of us? I, I think this is just Mike Leach screw, uh, screwing with us. Not even more so screwing with us. I think we're just looking too deep into us. We, we're forgetting that he's coming off an of MCL sprain. And he was out for a critical part of that spring, I believe, uh, or at the end, towards the end of the season. So it, it, it just shows a little bit of concern. I think this is the right move for Mike Leach to like let him ease back in. Maybe at practice he didn't look like the same Jaden Wally that we saw last season. And it's going to take time in those reps. Maybe he's just not there yet. So I, I think it's just, you know, more of those things where it's going to take, you know, maybe a couple games in for Wally to get his footing. Or he could, you know, show everybody and shock the world that he's back to the same old true freshman that we had last year and uh, be that number one wide receiver for the Mississippi State offense, especially with Will Rogers being at the helm. Um, I, I think it's, you know, it's, it's nothing to panic about at all. Jalen Y is, a, is an all-world talent. Uh, he has plenty of years ahead of him, so I'm not too concerned. I think that's a I, I think that's a very fair and level-headed response. Definitely better than mine earlier today. Uh, <laughs> so we'll go ahead and move on to Oregon here. And oh, yeah. man, man, was I excited to see Troy Franklin, true freshman, get the start of the X receiver position for Oregon. I'm, I'll be real, y'all. I'm keeping an eye on this man as the season goes on. But in addition to that, like just Micah Pittman, a sophomore this year, also gets to start at the age position. Like Oregon is extremely young and talented at receiver, y'all. You need to be keeping an eye on this receiver group as the season goes on, especially especially if for some reason Anthony Brown gets benched and somebody like Ty Thompson comes in with a little bit better passing pedigree, comes in to utilize these receivers like there's, there's a lot of fun here with uh, some some very young guys on this uh, Oregon offense. Xavier, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, uh, you know what? Oregon sneakily just, you know, becoming one of those, like, teams where they might have a claim at wide receiver U in a couple of years. 
I, I think that, there was quite a hot take. I'll t- I'm writing yeah. that one down. Yeah, Dante Thornton. Uh, they have Isaiah Crocker, Troy Franklin, Micah Pittman. They have all this talent coming in, and Mario Cristobal is doing a good job of recruiting for these like skilled players. And if Ty Thompson is that next QB, which he is labeled as the QB two. I think he is in a battle for that QB two spot uh, with maybe Butterfield or somebody else. Uh, I think there is an or attack for him at QB2, but I think Michael uh, Ty Thompson, I think he's a four or five-star QB that came in for Oregon. Didn't win out the job because it's still Anthony Brown's team because of the seniority, but I think eventually if Ty Thompson ends up taking that job, Oregon's offense is going to look very, very elite. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Again, I'm, I'm, again, I was just very excited to see. Like, I was worried. I know you labeled Devin Williams as like a sleeper early on this offseason and everything, but I was worried we yeah. would be seeing like him back at the top. I mean, Johnny Johnson's still there at the top and everything, but I was afraid we'd be seeing like a lot of upperclassmen. We'd still be seeing these uh, freshmen like Dante Thornton, uh, Crocker, uh, Michael Pittman, and um, Troy Franklin. Like all these guys would just be buried on the depth chart. Um, but no, these guys have worked their way to the top. And I'm very, yeah. very, again, this is a very, very intriguing team to me now. I'm very excited. Also, in addition, another thing I didn't have written, written down on the notes, but CJ Verdell and Travis Dye are written as like slash. There's no or, there's slash. So yeah. something tells me they're probably going to be both on the, on the field at the same time. That would not, yeah. that would not surprise me whatsoever. Um, go ahead and move on to the next uh, bit of news here. And that's the Texas wide receiver room. Um, I specifically wrote down here that Xavier Worthy, uh, freshman, true freshman, uh, was listed as a starter for Texas. Uh, but in addition to that, Joshua Moore and Jordan Whittington, uh, to I don't think really anybody's surprised, locked up those other two wide receiver positions. So Xavier, what do you think about Xavier Worthy, a true freshman, locking up a receiver position at Texas? Man, uh, it speaks volumes. Uh... Michigan transfer, you know, once he got on campus, he found out he just didn't like the hardball system. And I think a lot of, you know, players of talent are going to start seeing that, you know, maybe Michigan is not the place I need to be. As we can uh, see from Zach Charbonnet, it took him a while, but he finally realized. And Joe Milton now starting at Tennessee. Oh, yeah, that's another one we're going to get into. But, yeah, basically, I, I've, all we heard out of camp was just great things. As soon as he stepped on campus, was just fighting for that position, showed all-world talent, and it was going to be hard to keep him off the field. And I'm glad that he's getting the uh, starting nod. I do like uh, Joshua Moore. I saw a clip uh, the other day where Steve Sarkeesian was being interviewed, and they were like, what's one player that you're just, like, you know, looking forward to coming from Alabama that's going to probably shock a lot of people? And he said Joshua Moore. And I was a little bit more surprised because I was like, Joshua Moore didn't have the most impressive season last season, but he can't take that jump under a Steve Sarkeesian offense. I have no doubt about that. Yeah. You were, you were really high on him last year. And, you I know, was it, too, he, but he just couldn't stay healthy. That's that's his biggest problem. Healthy. Same with yeah, Jordan Whittington. Yeah, and then Troy Amiri as well too. It's just it, that Texas running uh, wide receiver room so, just has some nagging injuries. But I think with Worthy and uh, Whittington and more, if they stay healthy, then Hudson Carter, if Casey Thompson gets the job back, they're going to have a lot of weapons to use. And, you know, it's all up to them. They control their own destiny with that team. No, absolutely. Again, I'm I'm very very interested to watch Texas this weekend. We'll get into their game here in a little bit. Uh, the last bit of depth chart news that I kind of wanted to point out here is like th- this is something that's been kind of hinted at for a while. Like I know a lot of people in the CFF community have kind of been like keying in on this recently. 
Uh, but now we get the official confirmation that Brandon Thomas, a freshman, I can't remember if he's true freshman or redshirt freshman, will be getting the starting gig as the running back one at Memphis. So this is kind of a surprise to a lot of people because you we were expecting like Rodriguez Clark maybe comes back to number one, maybe Asa Martin comes in or Kylan Watkins. Both Asa Martin, Kylan Watkins, by the way, missing from the Memphis depth chart. Um, so uh, kind of surprised a lot of people. This guy kind of came out of nowhere. So Xavier, may I ask you, is this, is Brandon Thomas, is he the next Kenneth Gainwell or are we looking at the next Rodriguez Clark? Uh, man, it's it's really hard to say right now. I, I want to have to leave that up to us watching the game because it's just like, it's so many unknowns with him. Uh, it is it is telling that he did win the starting job, but it wasn't like a, a tough job to get. I mean, Rodriguez Clark is a, you know, serviceable back, serviceable back from Memphis. Like he gets you a couple, maybe four or five yard games sometimes, you know, and that's it. But <laughs> four or five Memphis yard games. That's yeah, serviceable running backs yard. for you. Yeah, four or five yard games. <laughs> Zaver, um, like, one running back breaks off a ten yard run. Zaver's like, all right, you're 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 done for the day. Good job. That was serviceable. Yeah, yeah, that, you you did your job. So, I mean, but it, it is telling to where they have the receivers. Now they just need, you know, I, I'm a believer of all teams. You have to at least have a, a serviceable back to establish a run and show that you can mix it up sometimes and, you know, set the, t the pace and tone of the game. So if Brandon Thomas is that all-world back as a true freshman or redshirt freshman, that's going to pose well for that Memphis offense going forward. And they could possibly, you know, if Grant Grinnell or uh, the backup, I forgot his name, the freshman, uh, if he gets that starting job, Oh man, it's, I believe it's left Preston Stone, if I'm not mistaken. Or is that SM? Yeah, Preston Stone. Mm -hmm. uh, either of them win that job throughout the season. Memphis could make a deep run. Uh, Preston Stone. Wait, what? No, Prince, no Pre not Preston Stone. It took that's, me a minute to realize S what you were saying. Yeah, that's SMU. Prince, yeah. That's SMU. I'm forgetting the Memphis uh, quarterback. Uh, uh, let, me look at, let me look it up real quick. I know, I know yeah. who you're talking about. Yeah, I, man, it's SMU and. Memphis just have so many freshman backup quarterbacks. So it is Seth Hardigan, I believe his name. I'm Seth Hardigan, okay. No, Seth Hennigan. 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 Okay, Seth Hennigan. So, yeah, whoever takes over the helm of that, they have a, a great receiving core. And if Brandon Thomas is a great back, then that Memphis office is going to look just like the Memphis office of old. So I'm excited to see. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, that's most of the depth chart things that I've kind of keyed in on today. There's, I mean, there's, there's plenty of other talks. Like just go on Twitter. You'll find plenty of people discussing things. Um, one thing I did want to mention before we get into the game previews and everything, um, I had a little bit of injury news, uh, or so, uh, two bits of injury news, one of which was a bit more fantasy relevant than the other. Uh, I'll go with the non-fantasy relevant one real quick. Uh, Brandon Peters, who was, uh, Injured his shoulder in the game against Nebraska last week. He's the quarterback for Illinois. Uh, he is questionable to return next Saturday. Uh, again, I don't know how many people are planning on starting Brandon Peters. Uh, if you are, first of all, um, God bless your QB room. Uh, second of all, <laughs> you must be in a very deep league. Uh, regardless of all that, um, he's he's questionable return, but he is expected to return some point this season. Uh, and then the other one, a bit more fantasy relevant, uh, running back Deion Hankins who was taken out of the game against New Mexico State this past weekend is considered doubtful to return for this Saturday's game. So if you are planning on starting Deion Hankins, please know that he is considered doubtful to return. So with all that out of the way, let's get to some game previews here, Xavier. Yes. And I typically wanted to just go like 
chronological order, but I feel like there's no other place to start except for the big game of the weekend. It starts yeah. everything off. Primetime ABC game, 7.30 p.m., Saturday night. In Charlotte. In Charlotte, Clemson versus Georgia. So, I know a lot of people know that we are dog fans. Yeah. And I have had several people email me, or not email me, DM me on Twitter and say, hey, if you need an unbiased opinion to come oh, onto your yeah. show and say, <laughs> and like give the Clemson side of things, because we know that you guys are just going to say George is going to win this game running away. So I want to let Xavier start here. Xavier, what are your thoughts on this game? Like, how, what, how big is this game? It is a very huge game. This is probably the best, like people have said, this is probably the best week one slate, and this is probably the biggest game that I would say, like in our memory that we can think of for week one mm-hmm. for college football. So it's just the fact that it's in the Panther Stadium, it's in Charlotte, it's primetime ABC, the lights will be on, the stars will be out. So you have DJ versus JT, Heisman favorites, battle of the two giants. And it's just been a lot of talk about, like, for especially uh, fantasy stuff aside, just for the college football landscape of, like, whoever wins or loses this game, it will affect their uh, playoff chances. And it, it's I know for the Clemson side, they probably have an easier path that they do lose because they could just win out of the ACC and they'll probably have that auto bid in. Or Georgia will have a tougher path where if we, had to, if we lose to Clemson but we end up having a better season and we go against Alabama – our season is still in question because, you know, there's other factors at play with uh, if Iowa State wins the Big 12, if the Pac-12 mm-hmm. does something amazing, have a good run. So it's always just, you know, Georgia's always at the uh, – we always have the worst odds. But for this game, <laughs> we just never have the best of luck when it comes to these games. Like, everything's on the table. But I, I believe Georgia rises to the occasion. I will say, I'm not going to say uh, objectively like you're going to blow this game away I, I won't tell you the game plan of how things are going to go of like what jt is going to do i don't know what he's going to do but i do believe georgia will win this game and even though we've had the injuries that we had where darnell washington is questionable now he did go on a recent interview and saying that he is in a boot but don't be surprised if he does show up on the field which would be huge but as a georgia fan i kind of want god that would be massive it would be amazing, but I kind of want him for the rest of the season. We do have a backup <laughs> tight end, Brock Bowers. Oh, man, if, uh, for all those dynasty owners, keep an eye on him. That is a very speedy tight end, one of the top tight ends that we have. JT Daniels, I, they're saying that he's probably looked the best, even better than when he was at USC and coming out of high school uh, with the offense. And with our backfield that we have, our O-line, we always recruit very highly, so – if the O-line meshes well during that game, I think we can uh, overpower the D-line possibly because Clemson does have a strong D-line, and we do as well too. I give Georgia the edge, but it's it's so many factors because it feels like an even matchup, but at the same time, I, as a Georgia fan, you always have to worry. So oh, no, that's, that's my looks. Yeah, I guess uh, um, you kind of laid out a lot of the reasons why Georgia is, is – uh, possibly going to win this game. I guess I'll have to play the devil's advocate over here. Yeah. Talk about why Clemson uh, could win this game. And first of all, I'm just going to say as a Georgia fan, I'm shaking in my boots about this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like Regardless, I do think Georgia's going to win because I just, you know, I'm Georgia. Uh, I'm team Georgia and everything. But like at the same time, like how can you not be nervous about a game? Like regardless if you're a top dog or not, like if you're like, I, I know, I, I know a lot of Clemson fans who are just like, Oh no, I'm not worried about this game. We're going to be fine. I'm just like, really really 
like you just a top five matchup and you're just not going to be nervous at all sure thing yeah. sure thing regardless let me lay out for the reasons why clemson wins this game first of all when you kind of when you when you got to look at the matchups and everything uh clemson brings back a a bring there first of all you got to start at the quarterback you go dj lately five star quarterback i believe number two in his class behind bryce young but unlike bryce young he started two games last year when trevor lawrence went down with covid and so he uh lost against notre dame but also threw for over 400 yards in that game and led a comeback against a boston college in which i believe he also threw over 300 yards in that game so this is a man that has clearly faced like this isn't like this isn't dj getting like time and garbage time and you know facing against soft defense like these this is he has been thrown into the fire he lost his first start second start he has to lead a comeback against boston college like these like these are high stress situations he has been in and for the most part has risen to the occasion he was not the reason why they lost against notre dame dj uangalele has lived up to his billing and more as a five-star recruit as a five-star quarterback and it's absolutely going to be essential to clemson winning this game because we then move to the running back position for Clemson. They lose Travis Etienne from last year, but they bring back Lynn J. Dixon, who's had plenty of experience. Kobe Pace has been rocking camp, as far as I've been hearing. And do not be and he's been even getting Nick Chubb comparisons, which is, you know, just a little dig at Georgia fans because, you know, why not? Um, in addition to that, you have five-star all-purpose back Will Shipley coming in and has been getting rave reviews out of camp and is even expected to be the starting kick returner for Clemson in this game. At least that's the news I've been kind of, or the rumors I've been kind of hearing. In addition, there's been rumors that the Clemson depth chart that was released today is utter crap and that Will Shipley will be getting a massive share of the carries in this opening game due to the fact that Georgia has no film on him, and he is talented enough back to where he can absolutely start in a big game like this, and no, and Clemson does not have to worry about it. So Clemson's woes at running back could easily be solved by a five-star freshman coming in for his possible... If he doesn't start the game, he'll be getting plenty of carries during this game. So moving on from the running backs, you have the wide receivers. You have uh, Frank Lyson Jr., um returning from last year justin ross a, a who used to be considered a first second round talent for the nfl draft is now back from his neck surgery from last year and has been getting rave reviews out of camp there's been a lot of talk about him moving to the slot but i've also been hearing he's been getting plenty of work on the outside this is a man that clemson is ready to use all over the field clemson is absolutely loaded with weapons um, they're tied in. They bring back Braden Galloway. They'll be using him plenty often. Um, Joseph Ngata has been one has been uh, injured quite a bit, but I've been hearing he's been moved back to the number twos, and that EJ Williams is now set to start against Georgia. They have plenty of weapons to use. This is going to be a matchup where both teams are going to have to score points to win, and Clemson is not lacking on at all with offensive weapons. But even still. Offense doesn't always win you these big games. Defense has to come up with it. Clemson's D-line is considered the best in the country. And while some of their secondary might be considered a little suspect, they still have one of the best cornerbacks in the country in Andrew Booth Jr. 
This is going to be a man that will be put on Georgia's best receivers, more than likely Jermaine Burton. I would not be surprised if Jermaine Burton does not have the greatest of nights, even if other Georgia receivers do. Because if Andrew Booth is on him, there's a good chance that that's going to be a battle for the ages, a film room masterpiece, as it were, to be watching between those two. So all this to say, Clemson has every tool to win this game. Georgia also has every tool to win this game. Georgia has one of the most talented rosters in the country. This game is a three-point spread for a reason. This game is a basically a coin flip with maybe a little bit advantage Clemson because they're, used, they're a bit more used to playing in these larger games and they're a little bit closer to home. But even still, this game's a complete coin flip and it's going to be an incredible game that could go either way. And I'm so excited about it. Anyway, that's the end of my rant. I went on for a while there. <laughs> anyway, good though, yeah. I feel like we touched on basically everything there. Savior, do you have anything else you want to add to this game? Uh, man, I, I will say our secondary is very rough at the moment. And mm-hmm. it is, uh, I, I saw that we are going to start former five-star number one overall corner Ke- Keely Ringo in our game. Well, yeah. I'm excited to see, but the lack of a, the inexperience uh, factor always just gets me a little bit nervous. Maybe he'll rise to the occasion. Maybe he won't. But I still have my dogs winning it because I think our running backs. I think our running backs will dictate the pace of this game, and I, I I like the the choices and options that we have. Just like they have three good running backs, we have about five. So. <laughs> It's, well, it's fine we'll throw whatever we can at them one of them has to work out oh no like it, it this again like i said this game could go either way and like yeah absolutely it, if i was being objective i could make an argument for either team winning but because i'm a georgia fan i'm gonna say georgia's gonna win this game saturday um i will but, say this if uh, i will say this if i wasn't a fan of either team i would want this to go to overtime I would want to see a back and forth shootout of overtime. See, but we are fan savior, and our hearts can't exactly. take that. Yeah, our hearts cannot take that because we already know that what the outcome is going to be as Georgia sports stands. Oh yeah, no. Well, yeah. May- maybe it'll go our way because it's not a championship setting. True, true, true. <laughs> you might be onto something. You might be onto something. Anyway, we have to move on. Yeah, we got to move on. Uh, that was our that was our preview of the Clemson Georgia game, probably the biggest game of the weekend. But now we're going to move back to a bit more. Um, chronological and so the first game I kind of want to talk about here for uh, like the big games we're gonna get into a lot more games later on with uh, some of the spreads and everything Um, but I want to talk about UNC versus Virginia Tech this is a game that didn't meet my criteria for the uh, over under uh, the over under segment we're gonna do a little bit later here but I think this is a very intriguing matchup early on Um, UNC loses a lot from last year on the offensive side of the ball, and this is absolutely a Virginia Tech team that, if they get hot early, could get UNC in a little bit of trouble. And it's at Virginia Tech, so this is a home environment for them. UNC, some of that young talent that they got going on there in Joshua Downs and Joffrey Brown and uh, Caleb Hood, in addition to transfers like Tyler Chandler, they're thrown into the fire on this first game Friday night. I think this is going to be a very intriguing matchup. What say you, Xavier? I don't know. I'm the opposite. I, I think Virginia Tech has also lost a lot. You know, Hendon Hooker is no longer there. They have the backup uh, now starting. And then you lost Khalil Herbert and Caleb Farley at first round. Or four, it was projected to be first round. Actually, did he go first round? Caleb, Caleb Farley, Farley yes. Yeah, he did. So you lost the first round corner. And I think Sam Howell is just that great of a talent to where he can dissect that defense with Josh Downs being, you know, the number, wide receiver number one. And Ty Chandler is no slouch either. 
So even though Virginia Tech is a formidable opponent in the ACC, I, I don't think it would be too much for UNC for them to handle. No, I think that's fair. I'm uh, I'm just looking up real quick. I'm trying to see if I can find the point spread for this game. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it's like UNC probably like 14, 14 and a half. It is UNC minus five and a half. Really? Wow. Ooh, yeah, that game a lot closer. They might they, they probably know a little bit more than me. But again, I, I think I, I think I, a lot of it has to do with the home environment for Virginia Tech. Um, again, North Carolina yeah. losing a lot of pieces. Kind of kind of a lot of things that I just said. Um, I, and I, I, I do think this is a one touchdown game. I don't think this, I don't think, again, first game of the season, I imagine both sides come out looking sloppy, at least at first. And by the end of it, you probably, probably have a similar thing to kind of what happens on uh, last Saturday with um, Illinois and Nebraska, where maybe North Carolina pulls ahead uh, by two touchdowns and you have Virginia Tech coming in, gets a touchdown, might have to try to go for the onside kick, doesn't get it in UNC wins that way. That's the kind of game I'm envisioning here, especially on a Friday night. So again, very interesting game. Um, again, we we mentioned a lot of the names there, like Sam Howell, um, Josh Downs, Ty Chandler. Like these are all guys that I think. Again, I think this is going to be a decent scoring game, and so I think both sides are going to have all their starters in the entire game. I don't see anybody getting benched here. So if you have these players on these teams and you believe in them, absolutely start them in this game. Yeah. So we'll go ahead and move on to the next game. We're now on to the Saturday games uh, here. And this is a game I kind of circled when I first saw it because I, I didn't see a lot of people talking about it. I'm like, this is a lot more intriguing matchup than I think a lot of people are giving it credit for. And that's Western Michigan and Michigan. So Xavier, what are your kind of thoughts here? I, I know a lot of people in our community are expecting the upset. And I, I, would, I would too. I, I would too, but I, I'll give the edge to Michigan in this regard. Michigan always comes with a decent defensive like performance. If they, they're you're gonna have to you're gonna have to outscore Michigan. Like you're gonna have to beat Michigan. Like you're gonna basically you have to do that in every game. But you're gonna have to have a masterful performance from Caleb Ella, B. Sky Moore. Like everything's gonna have to be clicking to get past you know the D line they always bring in, the corners and linebackers they always produce and in the NFL, so I don't think Harbaugh loses this, loses this game, but it will be closer than a lot of people think. Yeah, the line on this game currently is Michigan minus seventeen. Oh, well, yeah, that's all. Not so, as close as I thought it would be, but yeah, yeah. So currently minus seventeen, and again, I think a lot of it has to do with uh, people aren't sure that Harbaugh's offense will be able to put up enough points in this game, and. I know a lot of us in the fantasy community are really looking for Michigan's or Western Michigan's offense to be something of a fantasy gold mine this year with Ladarius Jefferson, Jalen Hall, Sky Moore, uh, Caleb Ellaby, who I like a lot. Um, so I have to imagine that if Michigan's defense just isn't up to snuff and Western Michigan starts putting up some points, uh, it could get dangerous for Michigan very, very quickly, especially if they're not able to answer. So, yeah, I think a very interesting game here. Uh, next one, this is the uh, big noon kickoff uh, because people just love having their big Big Ten games at noon on Saturdays. You know, they just love that so much. Uh, but anyways, Penn State at Wisconsin. Xavier, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, this is going to be interesting. Can Penn State bounce back from that terrible season they had last season? Uh you have Sean Clifford uh, coming back as your starting quarterback, who is not as, like, I, I wouldn't draft him for the NFL. I don't think he has any promises as an NFL quarterback in the future. But I think he's a serviceable enough quarterback for uh, the pen, uh, for college as well. Because he has Jahan Dotson, 
and Parker Washington as his two main wide receivers. John Dotson is number one. Then you have a backfield where it is questionable because you lost a lot to injuries. Like Journey Brown had to medically uh, leave uh, redshirt forever because of uh, injuries. And then you just lose so much. And now you uh, have to rely on Noah Kane, former four-star from, I believe, two years ago, to see if he'll come back from injury and be the guy that everybody had him uh, – projected him to be this great prolific next great Penn State running back and I'm not doubting he can do it but I just haven't seen it it's one of those things I have to see Wisconsin is a little bit interesting as well too because is Graham Mertz going to look like the Graham Mertz we saw like week one last year or are we going to see Graham Mertz like post-COVID is that the quarterback that he truly is Mm -hmm. so it will be it will leave a lot to see I mean the running back room for Wisconsin as well too to where you have Muscuzzi and um, Berger but yeah, and then uh, throw, oh, oh, I forgot his name. Malusi. Malusi. I don't know why. Malusi. 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 I don't know who I was thinking of, but yeah, uh, Malusi and Berger. But uh, also, I'll throw in a uh, Jack Ferguson as well too. Um, Absolutely. So it it will be interesting to see how that game pans out. I'll, I'll have that game a lot closer, but I, I will give the edge to Wisconsin for now. Let me take a look at what the. All right, so this game is Wisconsin minus five and a half. Yeah, so that's probably where I'd bet how it. Yeah, I, I I think that's fair. I might have it a little bit closer. I do think this is going to be a very low scoring game. The over under is fifty, so I, I that's right about where I would I would envision it. Like I can see this being easily like a twenty four twenty one final score. Yeah. Um, again, like I'm interested in I'm interested in, like you in. The Penn State comeback performance. I think Penn State got a lot of unfair flack last year for their performance. Like, granted, it's not fun to lose games. I get it, guys. But also at the same time, like, just go and look up like the stuff that Penn State was dealing with during COVID and everything, the things that James Franklin was dealing with. And you tell me that you would perform under those circumstances. Um, so I do I do want to see them bounce back this year. I do think that Penn State is more than likely a top fifteen, maybe even top ten program by the end of the year. Um, and I think they start here at Wisconsin uh, Saturday at noon. I think Penn State wins this game uh, through a combination of improved quarterback play with Sean Clifford, as well as um, their defense stepping up to stop the run game of Wisconsin just enough to make sure that they, you know, as you do in football, make sure you score more points at the end of the day. So uh-huh. I think Penn State wins this game. Xavier, you're picking Wisconsin, you said? Yeah, I'll take Wisconsin. All right, I'm taking win. I'm taking Penn State. We'll move on to the next game here. This one's like a lesser a lesser game, but I th- I th- I think it's kind of interesting. And that's Stanford at Kansas State, non conference game. Um, things I'm just kind of interested in. Skylar Thompson's one of my favorite players in football right now, and I really want to see him kind of make a comeback here uh, with a, another Power Five opponent coming into Kansas State. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a that's a lot of it. Um, Stanford um, trying to figure out who their starting quarterback is, whether it's um, Jack West or oh God, I can't I can't remember the other guy's name off the top of my head. I can look it up real quick while I'm looking that up. Xavier, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I'm excited to see Deuce Vaughn. I, I love Deuce Vaughn mm, as a running back. I, I, I know they're yeah, I love Deuce Vaughn. I have him in my dynasty team. I, I just like the upside with him. A lot of people compare him to um, oh man, why am I blanking on his name? He played for the Eagles. Um, Oh, Sproles, Darren Sproles in college. So, and Darren Sproles was electric <laughs> in college. And they're about the same size, but uh, I think Deuce Vaughn is a little bit more heavier than him. He's almost listed at like 200 pounds now. Wow. So he's definitely bulked up. 
And I think he's ready for that workload of like, you know, a lot of people had uh, the question marks of his inconsistent season where it's like, yeah, he had great games and there's other games where he didn't. And I just love that he was just an every, he was an athlete. Whether if the run game wasn't working, he would find his way in the passing game and get receptions as well too. So mm-hmm. I'm excited for Deuce Vaughn. Skylar Thompson, if he can stay healthy, uh, I would like to see as well. And then Stafford, let's see what Austin Jones can do against uh, an out-of-conference opponent. No, I think that's absolutely fair. I just looked up this game uh, for the line as well. Currently, the line is at Kansas State minus two and a half. So a slight home favorite. Um, I know that home, like to tell you how close this game is, um, a home a home field advantage typically in odds making amounts to about three points. So if this was a three-point swing, so if this was at Stanford, Stanford would be the favorite. So that should tell you how close this game, the odds makers think this game is going to be. I think it's going to be one of the more underrated games going into this weekend. If for some reason all the other Noom games are kind of becoming blowouts and you just need an extra game, I guarantee you this game is going to be quite close into the final quarter. So moving on past Stanford, we have the big 330 game on ABC, and that is Alabama at Miami. Man, like 10 years ago or like maybe 10, 15 years ago, this would have been a clash of titans. Not quite anymore. Xavier, what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, uh, it will be an interesting game, especially with the depth chart coming out from Alabama and Miami as well, too. Um, there's just so many things that I... Man, so many things I want to touch on. Let me touch on the Alabama side first. All right. Bryce Young. I, I want to see Bryce Young. I, you know, five-star quarterback, number one quarterback in his uh, recruiting class. Everybody's saying, you know, he possibly could be better than two for Alabama. Just these great things. And he has so many weapons. At Alabama, you have an embarrassment of riches at running back where you have Brian Robinson Jr. as the start. Then you have Jason McClellan at the uh, running back two. And then you have Trey Sanders, which I think is uh, also competing for that running back two, if I'm not mistaken. So, And then at the wide receiver position, it's just you, – it's, it's a Bama receiver. Like, all of them are going to, like, have some type of talent, Did- five-star – I, I will ask Xavier, have you seen the Bama depth chart today? I have. JoJo Earl was the name I was going to mention, uh, getting that nod uh, to start against Miami. A lot of people were high on a Jai Hall coming in, uh, especially in that spring game, but apparently JoJo Earl is out of camp. Yeah, JoJo Earl and Slade Bolton are listed as oars uh, for the H receiver on the Bama offense. Yeah. So Bryce Young should be fine. I, I will say this. I won't, I won't completely write out Miami. This isn't like former years where, you know, Bryce Young will have like, you know, so much experience like a Mac Jones where he got in a few more snaps than Bryce Young in the previous years when he was mm-hmm. behind Tua and Jalen. So it's, it's not the same. And Miami could possibly throw a wrench in that, uh, in that game. I'm not saying they're going to beat them. But I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, the game is a lot closer than a lot of people think, especially on the Miami side with Deer King coming back and the talent they have on that side. But I'll let you speak a little bit more on that. No, I mean, that's fair. Um, I'll, I'll, give you, I'll ask you a quick question, Xavier. What do you think the line on this game is? <sighs> oh, man. If it's close, then I'll be surprised. But I'll go Alabama, like, uh, minus 14. Alabama minus 18 and a half. Mm. So, okay, that's – about about two touchdowns and a field goal, a little bit more. So, I mean, that's that's basically what we've seen out out of Alabama in these big like Power Five matchups to start the seasons and everything. Almost always, Bama comes in and just hammers that opening game. Uh, we saw it against Florida State. Remember when that was a top four matchup? Uh, they absolutely destroyed um, 
uh, uh, DeAndre Francois, um, Duke a couple years ago, they just plastered against the yeah, wall. Uh, U- US, USC, they had an opener oh, against, and yeah. that was... They, they, they just completely thumped them. And again, I just don't see it any different here for Alabama against Miami. Although, again, I agree with you, Zabra. Miami has a lot to be excited about. I just don't think it's going to be very exciting for this game. Miami's got uh, Derek King back at quarterback after the ACL tear. Thank God he recovered. Um, as much as I like Jake Garcia, I think Derek King by far gives this team the best chance to win any game ever, any week. Um, in addition to that, he's got a plethora of receivers now that I think he's going to have a ton of fun with. Uh, Mike Harley is the assumed number one wide receiver coming back. I personally think that the number two wide receiver uh, that everybody thinks will be the number two, Charleston Rambo, is really the number one. I think he he's the number one receiver by the end of the year. Um, I like him a lot in this offense, and everything I've heard out of camp is that he will be featured quite a bit. Um, uh, Keyshawn Smith, I believe, is the third uh, starting wide receiver for Miami. He's had a great camp. Um, apparently, has made great strides this offseason. Will absolutely be used. Um, so they got a plethora of options at receiver. Uh, in addition, they lost Brevin Jordan, but they might even have a better tight end coming in, Will Mallory, who I would not be shocked as if he if he's a top t- uh, top five uh, fantasy tight end by year's end. So, yeah, I guess the biggest question mark really for Miami is the run game because, man, man, were we excited to finally hopefully see some Jalen Knighton or Don Chaney Jr. Uh, take over that backfield over Cameron Harris because Cameron Harris kind of faded as the year went on. But as far as we can tell, well, I mean, the depth chart was released today. Cameron Harris is still the number one running back there. And I think a lot of that just has to do with that. Nobody in that running back room could stay healthy. No one like they, they, they just constantly have nagging injuries. And if they can't get that figured out, they have no chance in this game against Alabama, let alone, uh, or they have no chance. Heck, they might not even have a chance covering the spread in this game. They can't figure that, that out, let alone upsetting Alabama. So, but again, I think Miami has a bright future after this game. Uh, Xavier, you picked them to win the Coastal. I picked them to finish second in the Coastal. I think it'll be a legitimate battle between them and North Carolina. So, yeah, I think that, again, I think both teams, or I think obviously Bama's going to Bama. And Miami, you got a bright future after this game, as long as Bama doesn't kill your quarterback. Um, so we'll go ahead and move on to the next one again another kind of smaller game but it's a Big Ten matchup and I think it's kind of interesting Indiana at Iowa Xavier what are you thinking here yeah uh, man it's definitely going to be a battle of offense versus defense I think with uh, Indiana's offense if Michael Penix is fully healthy and ready to go with Ty Freifogel and uh, Stephen Carr at the backfield versus Iowa's great defense the only uh, bright spot on their offense I can really say is Tyler Goodson uh, I can't even. Uh, usually they'll. Oh, Sam Laporta. End, but, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> it, that that's your you know your choice your preference, but it is what it is. Um, so it, it definitely will be a close game for that. I think that's going to be a great conference matchup uh, between two two teams competing for. I guess uh, they're in the West, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, they're in the Big Ten West, or no? Indiana Indiana is in the East. Iowa is in the oh, West. Oh, okay, in the West. Okay, okay. Well, it will be interesting to see how those teams favor and if they can, you know, uh, I doubt um, Indiana can win the East, but Iowa, they may have a shot. Well, I mean, again, I, I picked Iowa to win the West, and if they lose this game yeah. against Indiana, I'm be real. That, that's, that's a very big blow to my prediction there. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Uh, Indiana, if they do win this game, it keeps them in the driver's seat for the East um, until Ohio State has something to say I'm about it. But exactly. also, but I mean, Indiana did keep up with Ohio State last year. Like you remember, Ohio State only won by a touchdown last year. Now, granted, they were up like thirty-five to seven at halftime, and then uh, yeah. Indiana crawled their way back with uh, Ty- with uh, Freifogel. But even still, um, if they want to have a chance of winning the East this year, they have to win this game. Um, so again, I think for both of these teams that they, I think both of these teams have the eye, their eyes on winning the division uh, for their respective sides. Again, like we said, Indiana is obviously going to have a hard time with that. But if, for either one to achieve those goals, they have to win this game to start things out on a good note. And personally, I think that we see Iowa win this game. It's at home. Um, it'll be a close game, I think, and I think it's going to be a relatively low scoring. Both teams under thirty. I think Iowa pulls it out with their defense. Mm. I'll go Indiana with their offense. If Michael Penix is healthy, then I'll go with him. Hmm. Also, I just realized we haven't really gone through the rest of these games because I think we've been mostly on the same side for a lot of these games. But like Western Michigan and Michigan, you you pick Michigan there. Yeah, I'll pick Michigan. All right, Sanford at Kansas State. I'm Kansas State. You Kansas State as well. All right, Alabama, Miami, Alabama. I'll go Alabama. All right, cool. I just want to make sure we get these picks in. Um, yeah. Next game I kind of find interesting, and that's um, Central Michigan at Missouri. So, Xavier, you find anything interesting with this game? or? I, I, that's all you. I was surprised when you brought this up. I was like, really? You find interest in this game? I want you to speak on this. Uh, what do you find interesting about Missouri and Central Michigan? I mean, if Missouri is going to want to – if Missouri is – I, Missouri, I don't think they have their eye on winning the East, but I think they have their eye on, you know, maybe finishing second or maybe like definitely like being one of those teams that has something to say. I mean, I, I obviously, like if you ask the player, they're like, oh, yeah, we're winning the East. We're winning the natal, Natty. But like, I think realistically, if you're Missouri, I think finishing second in the East is not outside the realm of possibility, especially with uh, Florida losing a lot of their production from last year. Catch them on an off week. You can absolutely pick up that second spot in the East. But you have to be like none of that's possible if you don't start here with Central Michigan coming to town with the offensive weapons that they kind of bring to the table here in uh, Lou Nichols. Lou Nichols is a very young running back, and if you can't stop uh, a Mac running back such as Luke Nichols, you are not going to be able to stop uh, Zamir White. You're not going to be able to stop um, coming down the road. Um, you're going to have like Jabari Small. You're going to have Tyon Evans. You're going to have uh, Raymond Davis, Chris Rodriguez. Thank you. I, was, I knew I was forgetting somebody big. Um, like, you're not going to be able to stop those guys, and your goals are out the window. So, I think it has to start here. And then Missouri, like, I just want to see what they're looking like on offense for the most part. Uh, uh, Cameron Basil or Connor Basilek comes back as quarterback. Um, I want to see how they use Tyler Beatty. I know he's put on a lot of weight uh, so that he can handle a true workhorse running back role, which I'm very excited about because I was very worried about that coming into the season. Uh, I'm curious to see if they still use them in the receiving game like they did last year or if they rely on receivers such as Mookie Cooper and Kiki Kism. I want to see how those guys develop. So, again, I have some interest in this game for the most part. Okay. Yeah, but I think that's, oh, man, bold claim that you think Missouri has a possibility of winning the East or not winning the East, coming second in the East. I think I, so. I still have, uh, I, I still have uh, Kentucky and Florida. Probably give the edge to Kentucky right now, but – I'll always give Florida that little nod of coming second in the East. I mean, if they get this offense going, I see no reason why they like they can't be a force to be reckoned with in the East, at least for everybody except for Georgia. So, 
we'll see. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. Uh, they do have some pieces. I will not lie. So we'll move on from that game. Uh, this next one I almost left off uh, by accident, and I I'm, I'm really glad I did one more check through of the games because it's kind of a big one. But uh, Louisiana at Texas, so Xavier, where are you thinking for this game? Yeah, it's all going to be about the quarterback. Uh, Hudson Card, what are you going to look like? Are, are, is it going to be like a struggling first half and then they have to put in Casey Thompson? Does Casey Thompson take back the job? What, so many narratives and so many things that can happen in this game. Well, how many touches are B. John Robinson going to get? Because as a, you know, people that took him as a top five pick, I would, I would assume, I want to see about like 20 to 30 touches like Sarkeesian has said in the past where they, they want to use him. They're, they're, he's the focal point of that team. So it's just so much. And also with Lafayette, uh, I'm not probably going to worry about it too much. I'd rather see Lafayette versus their conference opponents because uh, they do have some pieces that I, I am excited for, especially at the running back with Chris Smith. And, um, oh, God, why am I forgetting the backup? I'm really I, – I love him a lot too. Amani Bailey, I want to see a little bit of him as well too. And um, so, yeah, and uh, we'll see what Levi Lewis uh, does at the quarterback position to see if he has that rushing ability that he can do in his conference. So it, it, it leaves a lot, uh, especially also the Texas receivers as well, too. But I think the big name thing is the, the quarterback. I would agree with you 100% that uh, the key to this game is uh, Hudson Card. I think I think people know who B. John Robinson is now, and Louisiana is a team that is not talented enough to stop him. I don't think they're there, but they're they're definitely talented enough to slow him down. And if they can get Texas into a game script that they want, where you got this low scoring, run the ball, uh, time or time go or your um, uh, the timer's going down very quickly or your clock's going down very quickly, and you keep both teams under twenty five points, I could easily see Louisiana taking advantage of that. Um, I think that honestly, Louisiana might have the offense defense advantage just a little bit in this game. Um, in terms of the Texas front seven, if I remember correctly, you have not been getting rave reviews out of camp. Now, the secondary I've been hearing has been getting pretty good reviews. Um, but even still, when the focal point of the Louisiana offense is Levi Lewis and Chris Smith's rushing ability, um, that secondary is not going to be a ton of help except for stopping them after they've already gained 15 yards. So I, th- I think this game's going to be a lot more interesting than people are expecting. Uh, Sarkeesian, of course, like if, if, if Sarkeesian's offense is on fire here, obviously they're going to blow this game out of the water, and we're going to have to consider Texas a legitimate challenger to the Big 12 champion. However, I don't think that's quite what happens. Let me look at this. Uh, let me try to find the um, spread in this game. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. I went too far. <laughs> there it is. Uh, Texas minus eight. So this is not like, this. This game is closer than like people are expecting here. First of all, also tickets as low as twenty six dollars. Y'all, if you're if you're living if you're living near Austin, that's not a terrible game to be able to just grab uh, for twenty six dollars. Uh, even oh, yeah. so, I think this is gonna be a legitimately great game for this opening weekend. I think it's gonna be one of those kind of ones that kind of fly under the radar because everybody in this three thirty time is probably gonna be watching Bama Miami. But even still. I'm excited for this game. Um, we'll go ahead and move on to the next one. Uh, Nevada at California. This is the 10:30 game on FS1 on Saturday, and nothing really on California's side, and nothing against nothing against the Bears or anything like that. But there's not a lot of players I'm really interested in. But 
for me, it's, it starts with the Nevada offense. Carson Strong, all his receiving options, Cole Turner, Spiker, uh, Dubs, um, Cooks, Horton, all those guys. I want to see them go up against a Power 5 defense. I want to see what they can do there because if they can shred a defense like California, even though California's not like the biggest Power 5 um, program in the world, if they can do that against California, I can't wait to see what they do against the Mountain 5 defenses that they'll be facing in their division. So Xavier, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I have the exact same thoughts. I, I don't rate California that highly, but, you know, Power 5 opponents are Power 5 opponents, and you're coming from, uh, you know, a non-Power 5 group of five teams. So I'm just like, well, let's see what your, de- uh, what your offense can do because we, we've seen you do it in the past with, you know, Cole Turner, Toa Toa, all those receivers that you named as well too. So, and Carson Strong at the helm, and if his O-line is intact and he can stay in the pocket, even though he's, you know, as mobile as he is. Um, you know, he still has a great arm, great accuracy. And if they put up a lot of points, I, I would be actually, I am kind of intrigued about the spread of that. If you don't mind looking that up. Oh yeah. I got um, you. Yeah. But uh, yeah, just to see the firepower and if they, if they live up to expectations in that game, then yeah, the mountain West is theirs for the taking there. I, I see no reason why they don't win. Oh, wow. So I'm, I'm legitimately shocked at this. So the spread is California. I'm, I'm actually there. What do you think it is? Well, you already told me it's California something. So I, they have California winning, but I don't know. But it, feel, it feels like it's going to be pretty close. I'd say California minus three. It is California minus three. I'll be okay. real. I, th- I thought they would have Cal, Cal as a power five program like more. I thought this would probably mm-hmm. be north of a touchdown. Uh, but no, that they Ozmakers really like Nevada's offense. It looks like. Yeah. yeah. Um, the over-under on this game, though, is only 52.5. If you're expecting that close of a game, I have to feel like that that game's going to go over. But this is not a betting show. Do not take my bets. I mostly just kind of put... I, I just mostly just kind of put them out there as like a... Ah, if I was a betting man, I might look at this. Um, yeah, don't sue me, please. Uh, <laughs> anyway, we'll move on to our last game here that I kind of consider interesting outside of the over on the, the, the games we're about to hit. Cause I, I can already feel everybody screaming at me at this point. Like, ah, you forgot about Ohio State, Minnesota. And I, I know, I know. Okay. Okay. I know we're going to get to that. We're getting that into a second, but last game here that is like, not like a high scoring game, but still an intriguing matchup to me is Notre Dame at Florida state. And I'm going to go ahead and say, I'm calling Florida state to pull the upset here. Yeah, I'm not with you there, Chief. I saw that today when you texted in our group chat, and I was like, that is a very, very bold claim. Now, let, let, me, let me be very, very clear here. Explain yourself, sir. If, if Florida State wins this, it is going to be, first of all, huge for the program. Huge for the program. Absolutely. S- second of all, if they win, it's going to be like by a, like a point or two. Like, this is like this, like they are going to, like, this will be like a last minute thing. Um, Notre Dame's a legitimate team. They got a legitimate defense. I'm what concerns me more than anything is the offense. I don't see Notre Dame putting up a ton of points in this game. Um, Florida State has done a lot, and I mean a lot, to bring in a lot of defensive talent through that transfer portal, and I can absolutely see them using it to their advantage in this team to stop what I consider a very mediocre Notre Dame offense. You got Jack Cohn as the helmsman of the Notre Dame offense and he's a poor man's Jake Fromm. All right. Like that's, that's what Jack, that's what Jack Cohn is. Uh, in terms of receiving talent, uh, Kevin Austin might be the best receiver that Notre Dame has to offer. And if you know anything about Kevin Austin, that's not saying much. 
Um, the big thing for Notre Dame here is going to be their running game and their tight end usage. Michael Meyer and Kyron Williams, Chris Tyree, those are going to be three huge names in this game. If Notre Dame can, or if, if Florida State can key in on those guys and stop that, they might stop this entire Notre Dame offense. Meanwhile, on the other side of it, Florida State, you have two, in my opinion, legitimate options at quarterback. Yeah, Jordan Travis with his rushing ability, um, who's a somewhat, I, I, I'd say, all right passer. Like, he's not the greatest in the world or anything like that. Definitely had some struggles last year. But they did beat UNC last year. Let's not forget that. They had a great game, and they were able to top a top 10 opponent. So, again, like I said, don't, let's not forget that. In addition to that, uh, you have Mackenzie Milton, the ultimate comeback story. If he comes into this game and wins this game for Florida State over Notre Dame, they might build him a statue right then and there at Florida State. Um, if he's in the game, look for a lot of passing. Look for some young receivers to step up like Malik McLean, uh, Joshua Burrell. Those are two freshmen that I'm keeping my eye on in that game. But in, in addition, Andrew Parchment, transferred from Kansas, is expected to be a big part of this game. Absolutely um they got some weapons on that florida state offense i think they absolutely could put it to use if mackenzie milton is at the helm uh but even so even so the big part for florida state is they're gonna have like saver said they have to be able to establish the run here and joshua corbin has been all right in the past uh but i'm looking out specifically for lawrence toa feely uh, i've been hearing a lot of i've been hearing his name a lot out of camp and i would not be surprised if they throw him more into the rotation at the back there and if he is everything that these reports have been saying, he can absolutely help Florida State be the multidimensional offense. And like I said, if Florida State's newly revamped defense with all these transfers comes in and are able to slow down Notre Dame, I can absolutely see Florida State upsetting Notre Dame on Sunday night. Yeah. Oof, bold claims, bold claims. All right, I guess I'll take uh, the opposition to this. Um, I just think Notre Dame's defense is just going to overpower Florida State. Florida State's program has been in shambles for a very, very long time. And even though they recruited at a high level, they just never can put it together. Now, I do like some of the names that you mentioned coming in that they have uh, in terms of their youth, freshman-wise, with those wide receivers. Heard a lot of great things out of them. But it's just mainly that quarterback and running back uh, tandem of just like, is it going to be Jordan Travis? Will it be Mackenzie Milton? Even I would like to see if Mackenzie Milton was fully healthy, obviously Mackenzie would start. But I just don't know what he's going to look like off of that ACL injury when he used to, you know, do a little bit of both, use his legs and his arm and show that accuracy as well, too. And Jordan Travis, he gives you that. I think uh, that's why they probably are going to use Jordan Travis going into that game uh, to win, uh, to try to win. But I just don't think they overpower their defense, especially once you get to Cincinnati's uh, D.C. as their new D.C. And we all know how great Cincinnati's defense was last year. I just don't think no, uh, Florida State will be able to overcome that in just the season of like, all right, this is our year to you know finally get our uh, names back in like the 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 limelight, and I, I just don't think it, it's their time right now, and that's why I'd probably still have Notre Dame, you know, with Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree probably just running all over them. Now I will say I did I was a little bit hurt when they took away Jermaine Johnson from Georgia. Mm -hmm. uh, he's a great linebacker for Florida State. I think he's going to be a very big part of that defense and probably will be able to slow down that run game a little bit, but not enough to stop them. I want to also point out that Notre Dame, if I remember correctly, is starting a true freshman at guard. So, yeah, but they usually they have they 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 recruit well at uh, O line as well. Oh, they too, do. So, Don't get me uh, wrong, but even still, some inexperience there. I think Notre, I think Florida State again. Some of these transfers they brought in on defense can absolutely try to take advantage of that. 
Um, okay. So again, I'm still I'm standing by my pick. I think Florida State upsets Notre Dame on Sunday night on ABC. So we're gonna stick with that. So those are all the games that were like big games this weekend, but they're not like the high scoring games. These aren't the games that you're looking at. And it's like I want a piece of the scoring that happens in that game. So I've learned this trick from John Law, the Gridiron Scholar. God bless him. Uh, he typically looks for like if you want a good place to start when deciding who to start every week you look at the games who have the highest over unders and so i have set a line to where every week i'm going to talk about the games that are whose over unders are 65 points or greater so we're going to go through every single one of those games we've got nine games to go through here and we're going to talk about the players in those games that you're going to want to start for this upcoming weekend so we're going to go ahead and start with our first one. And Xavier, I'll let you start off on this one. Who are the people you want to see on Thursday at 7 p.m. on ES- ESPN for Boise State at UCF? Yeah, I'll stick with uh, Boise State's number one wide receiver, Khalil Shakir. I, I want to see what he can do against uh, uh, Gus Malzahn's defense at UCF because usually UCF, they recruit well at that uh, defensive back position, especially a lot of their safeties and corners go off to the NFL and have great games. And UCF, I hope, that Gus doesn't play conservative, considering that you lost Bentavious Thompson uh, to, I forgot, I think the transfer portal or just uh, left I think he's just off the team right now. I think he left the team. He's off the team right now. So I have question marks about that running back room, and usually Gus likes to use his running backs, but you have so many great receivers that Dylan Gabriel can throw to. So I'm just hoping that, you know, it's the first game. Gus lets uh, Dylan uh, just do his thing that he's been doing, run the same game script, kind of a similar game script to what they've been doing in the past under Josh Hupel. Uh, mm-hmm. with uh, using Jalen Robinson, Ryan O'Keefe, Trey Nixon. So I hope that Gus just uses his talent and let his talent win, uh, wins, the, uh, oof, wins the game. No, I think that's entirely yeah. fair. And so I think another name that I need to throw out here on the Boise State side of things is uh, George Helani, the running back for Boise State. Now, I, I've had a lot of questions over the offseason about Andrew Van Buren, uh, with George Helani coming back from injury. Like, how is how are these splits getting carried up? And like the more and more I've dug into it, George Lani's taken over that backfield once again. It's absolutely going to be a focal point of this offense. Um, the uh, head coach that they had there used to be the defensive coordinator for Boise State before he went off to, I believe, uh, God, what, what program did he, he leave for? I forget. I'll, Indiana. No? I, I forget off the top of my head. But, um, uh, but the, the head coach at Boise State just came back. And so I believe he's, again, defensive-minded head coach. He's going to want to run that ball to protect his defense, and I think George Holani is going to be a huge part of that, in addition to Khalil Shakir, who also has some rushing ability. So I think those are the big names on Boise side. And you covered Dylan Gabriel and Jalen Robinson on the UCF side. Um, I'm trying to think of anybody else maybe on that. Um, if you need a late flyer, like you're struggling at wide receiver, I would also throw maybe Ryan O'Keefe. Um, I think that would be yeah. like a fair one for you just to – like. If you have him in best ball, you might have a good week out of him. But we will see. So we'll go ahead and move on to the next game. By the way, that over-under for that game is 68.5. So we'll go ahead and move on to the next one. This is kind of the big one that I kind of missed in the earlier talk. And that is Ohio State at Minnesota, Thursday night, 8 p.m. on Fox. The over-under for this game is right at 65. So, Xavier, who are you starting for this game? Or who, who do you suggest people start out of this game? Man, for the Minnesota side, I have to say this. I can't, 
I don't even feel comfortable starting anybody on the Minnesota side. I know that's probably really hot to say because I, I love Muhammad Ibrahim. I have a share of Muhammad Ibrahim. I just don't feel comfortable putting him against Ohio State, especially first game of the season when he's going to be targeted to where, you know, we have we heard Altman Bell out of camp is coming back from injury and Tanner Mordecai is an okay quarterback, but there's so many question marks about their offense uh, coming into this year. Mm-hmm. And even though it is at Minnesota, so that gives them a, a slight advantage, it's still Ohio State's talent that they have on both sides of the ball. So I'd start anybody on Ohio State, even their defense. See, here's, uh, yeah, I agree with you 100. But like, I'm gonna I'm gonna fight back on you here with Muhammad Ibrahim, and like, this this is to my own detriment because you have Muhammad Ibrahim in our home <laughs> league. So me convincing you that he's worth starting is gonna bite me in the ass this Saturday. I guarantee it. But let me let me tell you his stat lines from last year. Last year in losses, these are the they lost four games last year versus Michigan. He had 26 carries for 140 yards and two touchdowns versus Maryland. He had 41 carries, 207 yards, and four touchdowns versus Iowa, who they lost 35-7. to So they got blasted in that game. He had 144 yards with 33 carries versus Wisconsin. They lost this game in overtime, but he had 26 carries for 151 yards. Zero touchdowns, though. That is a safe-ass floor, even if you're scared of him going up against one of the better defenses that he'll be facing. Because even when he went up against Iowa, Iowa's got a good defense. He still put up over 100 yards. Man, that's tough, though. It's like, yeah, Iowa's a great defense, but there's just a different level of, like, you know, when you got the Clemson, the Georgia, the Alabama. But does it matter when he's getting 30-plus carries a game? I think it does because I, I, I just I don't think it's sustainable. I just don't. I, I like because they, they only like, play even though, like, when they're six. like he's game script proof. Like you're looking at this. Like they there's so many opportunities in these games where they could have easily just gone to the passing game because last year they had Rashad Bateman, they had Chris Hoffman Bell both, and they still they, they still grounded and pounded with Muhammad Ibrahim. Well, they had a Bateman for just a little bit until he opted out, and but then even yeah, they had still. But it, it's just, it's Ohio State. That's just a, a different beast to where, yeah, if this was against Iowa or something like that, then I'd be like, of course, I don't care. If I have Minnesota losing that game, I'd still put Ibrahim in. I'm telling you, but, don't start him at your own risk. And if I if, if, if he's sitting on your bench with 20-plus points this weekend, I'm going to laugh at you so hard. Because I'll, be, okay. winning, because I'll the- be winning that week if you have Mohamed yeah. Ibrahim on your bench. Nah, I have other people in play. It is, it's still a, it's still a thing I'm thinking about. I'll probably make that decision uh, either Thursday at 7.30 if I want to do it or not, but mm-hmm. we'll see. But even so, like you said, with Ohio State, um, start everybody. I mean, Chris uh, Chris Stroud, or CJ Stroud, Chris Stroud. Uh, CJ Stroud, uh, Garrett, Garrett Wilson, uh, uh, Chris Olave, start them all. Uh, the the one question Smith mark... Jigba. Please. I feel like he's going to be uh, very active in this game as well, too, from what I'm hearing. All right, all right. Even still, um, I think the, the bigger question comes from what do we do with the Ohio State running backs? And mm. I'd say don't start Master Teague. I, I, I'm just not hearing good things out of camp. I don't think he's going to be a major part of this offense. Mayan Williams is expected to get the first snap, which tells me that he's going to get plenty of carries in this game. And that is telling me that he is somebody that you should be able to put at your flex 
don't rely on them as somebody who you consider a starter but if you really feel like starting them put them at your flex like they they should be your he should be like your option where you feel like you got nobody else and you start him there at the flex um and then Travion Henderson, I don't think you should be able to start him yet. I, I think he's definitely a down-the-line, stash him for later in the season kind of play. So, anybody else here, Xavier, that you might want to consider starting? or? Uh, nah, not really. All right, cool beans. We'll go ahead and move on to the next game. And I'm a dummy. We already talked about this game. I thought I, thought I, had, I, thought I had taken this off the first one, but... Uh, We'll go through this one real quick. Uh, Western Michigan and Michigan. Again, I want to start the. I I would want to start the um, all the Western Michigan players. Uh, Caleb Ellaby, uh, Jalen Hall, uh, Sky Moore. I think they're all going to be big parts of this. Uh, Ladarius Jefferson. I think they're all going to. I think Western Michigan is going to have a ton of fun putting up some points, and I think Vegas agrees with me. The over under on this game is sixty seven. I don't think they believe all that all those points are coming from Michigan. So. You're going to see Western Michigan, or you know, they don't believe all these points are going to come from Michigan, so I think Western Michigan is going to get plenty of scores in this game. On the Michigan side of things, yeah, I know there's, <laughs> there's, there's, there's I, not. I, 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 you you I got somebody? You got somebody? I got somebody. I'll, I'll, I'll take a, I'll take a, if, <laughs> if it's week one in your season, you know what? I'll, if I, even though Michigan's depth chart, I don't think has been released. I think Donovan Edwards is going to get that start. <laughs> And I, really I'll think take a so. bet on Donovan. I think so. I really think so. so. <laughs> All right. You're already here, folks. You're here, folks. Xavier says start yeah. Donovan Edwards. <laughs> uh, well, I'll put him as your flex, but yes, put him in your starting lineup. Uh, it, it's just a shot. You know, it's Western Michigan. It's not like they're praised for their defense. And you are Michigan, so you'll have Maybe. a good old line. Maybe. I'm, 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 I'm not there with you, but I'll, 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 I'll respect your opinion. So we'll move on we'll to see. the fourth game here. And this is actually a game that should be flipped if you're looking at the graphic. Uh, it says Oklahoma at Tulane, uh, no longer in New Orleans uh, because of uh, Hurricane Ida. By the way, if you know of any charity or anybody looking to help the people down there, please take your time and donate some money to those people down there. It is an actual hellscape right, th- right now down there. They need as much help as they can. Keep them all in your prayers as well. Prayers and action, those are the two most important things for them down there. Anyway, uh, we'll get back to the actual football talk here. So this is now Tulane at Oklahoma. This game has been moved to Norman. Uh, official confirmation came from that about a couple hours ago. So Xavier, who are you looking to start in this game? The over-under on this game is right at a crisp, nice 69. <laughs> um. Yeah, everybody on Oklahoma. It doesn't matter. From running back, QB, wide receiver, I, I'd start any – like uh, whoever the starting wide receivers for Oklahoma are going to be. I know it's going to probably be uh, Marvin Mims, but it's question marks of who's going to be that two or in that three or that, that at the Y and Z position. Mm-hmm. So it could be Hasselwood. It could be Mario – true freshman Mario Williams. It could be um, – oh, God, why am I forgetting his name? He was uh, – I had him – Theo Weiss. Yes. Um, so – it's just so many – they have so many options. And then you have Eric Gray in the backfield. So, And then you have Spencer Rattler. Obviously start Spencer Rattler. Eric Gray is another guy I would start at my running back, even for a running back one. And then Marvin Mims, that's up to you. He can be a wide receiver one if he, you know, replicates or does better in the season last season. And mm-hmm. 
if not, then they'll still have, they'll spread the ball enough. Even Austin Sogner at tight end, I think, will get a lot of action and have some fantasy relevance. Nobody on the two lane side, though. Oh, nobody on two lane side. I'm I'm gonna dif- disagree with you there. I'm gonna go Michael Pratt, quarterback out of two lane. This is a quarterback uh, started as a true freshman last year. Uh, I think more than lived up to his fresh uh, billing as a true freshman. Uh, comes back with a year of experience under his belt. He's got a couple of good wide receivers in Deuce Watts, Fat Watts, and Jaquan uh, Jaquan Jackson. I believe is his name. I, I might be I might be messing that up off the top of my head. But even still, he's got a plenty of good receivers. They're going to be behind this game. They're going to be throwing the ball a whole round, around a whole lot. In addition to that, Michael Pratt is a dual threat quarterback. And so I do believe you're going to see plenty of him running around and trying to pick up some extra downs, especially in garbage time. Kind of similar to how you saw Adrian Martinez last week. So again, Michael Pratt, definitely not an every week starter. But I think in this case, with all the garbage time they're going to have, would not surprise me if uh, Michael Pratt has a fantasy relevant game in this game but i would i other than that i probably wouldn't start anybody on the two lane side so okay we'll go ahead and move on to the next game we got here and that's oregon state at purdue this is the saturday 7 p.m on fs1 the over under on this game is right at my margin of 65 so xavier who are you looking for in this game uh yeah, so they just announced uh maybe a couple of days ago or maybe a week ago that uh oh man I always get the name wrong. It's Jack Plummer. There you go, we got it. There we go. God, yeah, Jack and Jake's always giving me a uh, tripped up, but yeah, Jack Plummer is definitely I'm um, expecting to have a good day. David Bell, wide receiver number one in a lot of people's drafts. Um, also Xander Horvath as well too. Um, mm-hmm. so him to get a lot of production even with um oh god the transfer that just came in. Uh, forgetting his name. Oh, uh, Samson oh, James. Man. He's not expected to be yes. immediately eligible. Okay, okay. Well, then, yeah, even more. Uh, I'll be a little bit higher on Horvath as well, too. So, definitely will be a good game. On the Oregon State side, I've, I haven't really looked into Oregon State as much uh, this offseason. That's definitely some more uh, research I have to do because I've done, like, all the Washington teams, and I've done Oregon, but I haven't done Oregon, and I've done Arizona. So, yeah, I guess Oregon State's been the last one, the, uh, the Pac-12 I haven't really looked at because <laughs> they just don't excite me that much. Yeah, well, again, it, if you have been doing your research and everything, you wouldn't have found much more than you already know. Uh, Oregon State okay. has been an incredibly hard team to kind of follow this offseason, and they released their depth chart today. Um, let me pull that up just real quick, but my guy that I've been kind of looking at there, Deshaun Fenwick, he's been somebody that I think – could easily become that next Jamar Jefferson there. He was hit with the dreaded or today at running back. So we're not entirely sure how that running back room is going to shake out. Why am I failing at finding this? There we go. Found it. Um, Sam Neuer, uh, quarterback out of Colorado. Uh, now the starting quarterback at Oregon State. I'm not going to say that's much of an upgrade if I'm being real. Um mm-hmm. But yeah, running back, we got B.J. Baylor, Deshaun Fenwick, and Trey Lowe all listed as starters, which, again, is kind of weird to me. Um, wide receivers, we got Zariah Beeson, who I know some people are are looking at as a possible uh, dynasty or a, a possible uh, C2C play. I'll mention that. I, again, I don't think these are guys that I would trust starting this weekend, especially since we haven't seen any of them yet. Uh, Trayvon Bradford, he's the kind of the experience in the room there. Uh, he's a redshirt senior. Not entirely sure 
uh, how much target he's going to get. Because, again, we haven't seen Sam Norrier as the quarterback here. So, yeah, I'm kind of with you, Saber. Not much on the Oregon State side that I would be really looking into for this game. It's all on the Purdue side. Um, you mentioned David Bell. I'm also going to throw out Milton Wright, who is going to be the number oh, yeah. two wide receiver there at Purdue. I, I foresee him having plenty of targets in this game. So, yeah, I'd say, yeah, Jack Plummer, David, David Bell, of course, uh, Milton Wright, and Xander Horvath if you're um, looking for kind of a flex of running back, especially if you're in PPR. So yeah. those are what I'm thinking. Go ahead and move on to the next game, and that's going to be Texas Tech at Houston. Xavier, what are you looking for here? Oh, man, I, I want to see the resurgence of Eric Ezukama and uh, how Tyler Shuck is, will play uh, under that Texas Tech offense. Um, really excited um, to see. Let's see, on the Houston side, man, it's been a while since I've uh, thought about Houston, ever since Marquez Stevenson <laughs> and Derrick King. Uh, it's going to enlighten me to see who who's left on that roster if that's well, uh, you know, Clayton Toon's the starting quarterback at Houston. Like, oh, yeah, that's dual, right. Dual, dual threat quarterback. Um, I foresee him getting plenty of work in this game, um, especially yeah. since that run game is very mediocre, to say the best. Um, they did name, um, God, I think his name's Malik, not Malik Carr. That's the guy from, uh, that's the guy from uh, Michigan State. What's, where, where are you at? I just looked at this depth chart. Here we go. Um, so we're looking at um, Mulbakar. Mulbakar was named the starting running back today for them. So maybe, maybe that's a as a new face. So maybe, maybe they get a bit more out of the run game that they're used to. But the receivers here, are who I'm kind of keying in on, uh, Nathaniel Dell, I think is going to be more than likely your number one wide receiver. And then, honestly, again, typically I wouldn't mention this name because I'm not a huge buyer into his stock. But Keyshawn Carter transferred to Houston from Texas Tech. So, you know, narrative-wise, maybe there's a little bit of a revenge factor going on here. Maybe he wants to show. Maybe he wants to show out his old team and everything. It's like, hey, you miss me? I don't know. Oh yeah. Uh, that, that, that's some deep analysis, right? Right there for you. Uh, <laughs> so. Yeah, those are kind of who I'm looking at on the Houston side, and I agree with you 100% on the Texas Tech side. Tyler Shuck is somebody to look at here. He's been named the starting quarterback. Um, and then Eric Ezukanma as well. And, and maybe a Geiger uh, transfer from Troy. If I'm not more Rice, I forgot which team. I think it was Troy. I'm going to say no, because actually I just looked at the depth chart. I remember, I remember talking about this earlier today. He is listed as an or, so he'll be rotating in and out Ooh. at that position. So Okay. Nathan, or, um, Ezukama has locked down his position. He'll be out on the field a good majority of snaps. Meanwhile, Geiger's still kind of fighting for those snaps. So I would say okay. if you're going to start a receiver for Texas Tech this week, it's going to be Eric Ezukama. Yeah. So, moving on, we'll talk about the next game. And this is a game I typically would have just put in the big games to talk about. But, I, and I do find this game interesting, but Kent State at Texas A&M. This I find it interesting that this over under is so high because honestly the for the amount of times I've been told like oh my god look at Dustin Crumb's record against um, Power Five opponents look at Dustin Crumb's record against Power Five opponents okay yeah but then the over under on this is sixty five and a half so that tells me they believe that um, that tells me that they believe that um, Kent State's going to score some. So, I, again, that's yeah. what I kind of find interesting about this game. 
for the most part. And again, I do want to see Dustin Crum. I love watching Dustin Crum. He's a great, uh, great Mac quarterback. And I'm trying to find the spread for this game and everything. So you got Texas A&M min minus four touchdowns. So clearly they don't expect this game to be close. But even still, you do the math on that. That's still putting. That's still putting. Um, Kent State is scoring about 20 points in this game and everything. Plenty of time to give Dustin Crum at least some fantasy relevance. I don't know. I, th this is where I'm just kind of finding interesting. It's like, am I stumbling on something to where this is a very easy under to get people? I don't know. Again, I'm not a betting man, but these are the things that just kind of go through my head sometimes. I don't know. Uh, yeah, Texas I, would, I would definitely. I was going to say, I would definitely take the under in this game. I think uh, Texas A&M is going to blow them out on both sides of the ball to where the defense completely shut down uh, Dustin Crum and the Kent State offense and Texas A&M is going to expose the Kent State de uh, defense mm -hmm. with all the weapons that they have. Yeah, again, so, on, on Texas A&M yeah. side, I'd absolutely would start Isaiah Spiller. Um, I would start um, Anaya Smith. Anaya Smith. Uh, would you start Hayes King? Think... I would. I absolutely would? would. All right. I, I, I would even go as far as I'd, I'd probably start A-Chain after if Isaiah Spiller has a great half then A-Chain gets the, the the rest of the game. No, that's completely fair. I agree. So, but yeah, that's kind of what I find interesting about this game, where I'm just sitting here like, this over-under and the point spread and people's just perception of this, uh, Kent, of Justin Crum against Power 5 competition, just none of it's, something's got to break here, as far as I'm considered. And I think more than likely we're going to see the under break on this game. Again, this is not a betting show. Why am I talking about this? We'll go ahead and move on to the next game before I get myself in trouble. Uh, so this is a game I'm very interested in. That's U LSU at UCLA. This is the Saturday night, 8 p.m. game on Fox. This is the one I'm going to cry because I'll have the Georgia game up on the big screen, but I'm going to ha definitely have this one on the little screen right next to me just in case it, um, just in case both of them are interesting. We saw UCLA this past week. We saw Britton Brown and Charbonnet steal the show for them until uh, UCLA just wanted to take it easy in the second half. They knew they had the game well in hand, so they just kind of threw it around a bit, um, scored a defensive touchdown, stuff like that. So, Xavier, who are you looking for in this game? And over-under on this is 67. Do you think that the points or the, the amount of points in this game are going to match that? Like, what are you thinking here? I think it will. I think it will. I, I'll give UCLA the credit. Um, they, they will be able to put up points. I like D uh, for some reason, DTR just, you know, has a, a knack for turning things on late in games coming from behind. He won't win the game. Like, UCLA will not win this game. And mm -hmm. I don't think it will be close. But he will be able to put up points to where if you didn't watch the game, you'll be like, man, this game was really uh, a lot closer than I thought. <laughs> like, LSU will probably come out of the water. Uh, Max Johnson. Do you uh, know what the spread on this game is, Xavier? Oh, probably LSU, um, mm, probably seven, minus 17. LSU minus three. What? Oh, okay. Um, uh, wow. That's, that's very surprising. Um, I guess they, I guess they looked into the last season and they were like, LSU did not look very formidable, which they did not. And their run defense is very terrible last year with, uh, their D line. But I think Orgeron has, you know, worked in the offseason to kind of fix that problem, but it will be interesting to see. Well, and, and they I'll, fired both Bellini as well, too. So I'll throw this out there. And again, I'm not comparing LSU's wide receiver room to Hawaii's or anything like that, but we did see UCLA completely shut down the passing attack from Hawaii last week. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying that 
Hawaii and LSU are completely comparable, but I do think UCLA's secondary is probably one of the better ones in the Pac-12. And I think that if LSU legitimately struggles to run the ball in this game, like they did last year in several games, it's what got them in trouble in many, many games. John Emery Jr., Tyrion Davis-Price, these are going to be guys that have to show up in this game. Otherwise, I think UCLA will have no problem shutting down or not no problem but i think they'll have a legitimate shot to shut down that lsu passing attack especially with a lot of kind of younger receivers a lot of not household names yet besides Keishon butte um i think again i i think you're not giving lsu enough credit or uh, ucla enough credit here to where they can absolutely stay in this game and keep it within a close score yeah, I just don't believe in Chip Kelly. I don't think, you know, his track record is just not – I'm not convinced. I do, I, I'd rather believe in Ed Orgeron and his defense than over Chip Kelly and, you know, his defense. Uh, I'd, I'd take Ed Orgeron's defense. Uh, you know, be able to stop uh, UCLA's run than, you know, LSU not being able to stop uh, their run game. Nope, I think that's absolutely fair. Um, so uh, – we didn't really talk about what players were starting here. I almost, I almost moved on without oh. even really talking about that. Um, so yeah, Max Johnson and Kayshawn. Yeah, you got to start them. Those, yeah, that, I think that's really it. I, unless, I mean, you can take a chance and say that week one DTR was a fluke, and then you know he'll play better this game. So I, I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, I'll be starting DTR in this. Yeah, uh, he he will be able to run a lot more, and because you know that secondary is going to be a, a little bit of a, a little bit of a problem for him uh, passing, so he definitely will rush a lot more. So, yeah, I, I would start DTR as well too, but I don't think I, I would start. I would put if you have if you have Charbonnet or Britton Brown on your team, I would not, I would not hesitate or not hesitate. I wouldn't bemoan anybody for putting them in at a flex. Um, I see no reason why not to just kind of put them in as upside guys because again, we're still not entirely sure how those carries are going to shake out going forward because again Charbonnet had the better day last week but he had far less carries so was that a fluke was that just him getting lucky on the carries that he was getting or was it just something that we're going to see more and more of as the season goes on so I think those guys are both worth putting there Greg Dolchich um, if UCLA is going to have a chance in this game they have to get a passing game going and I think Greg Dolchich is going to be a main part of that so if you have him, I would absolutely start him in this game. Again, a high-scoring game. He's definitely going to be a red zone threat if they get down there close. So, yeah. I think, yeah, DTR, Dolcic, Brown, or Charbonnet as flex options. Don't I wouldn't use them as, like, your main guys. If they're one of your main guys, you might be in trouble um, for this week. And then on LSU side, again, I agree with you. Really, the only solidified positions are Max Johnson and Keishon Butte, and those are the guys I would count on. So, move on to our ninth and final game here. And this is actually the highest over-under of the week. It is an over-under of 75.5. And and that is going to be Louisville at Ole Miss. This is the Monday night game at 8 p.m. This is going to be a game that decides, decides fantasy games this week. This is going to be a game where you have guys where your opponent is ahead by 20, 30 points, but you know you got Matt Corral sitting on that bench. You know you got Malik Cunningham sit, like, sitting right there, ready to, ready to go. You got Jalen Mitchell in there as a possible guy. You got Braylon Sanders sit, sitting there. You, like, these are going to be, like, this is going to be a game that people are going to be biting their nails on at the end of the night. So Xavier, 
who are you looking for in this game and wh- like who should be started in this game? I'll say Matt Corral and Jalen Mitchell. That's the only two I can say. I know it's surprising. Uh, uh, nah. I know it's surprising with Ole Miss wide receivers, but we don't know who's going to be that number one. Not even he Jerry is, and Ely? Oh, I completely forgot about there Ely. There we go. There yeah, we go. Yeah, def- there we go. No, nah, no, nah, definitely Ely. I completely forgot about Ely. It's just every time I think of Ole Miss, I just think about uh, Lane Kiffin and just aerating it out. And I always forget <laughs> they have a good running back that can also go in the slot and catch out the backfield and really run hard. So, yeah, Ely is one, too. So, three names, but I can't choose a wide receiver. I don't. I don't believe in Malik Cunningham anymore. I just, I don't think he has the You got burned by him too many times last year. I, I did. But that's what, did. that was him had... going up against good defenses. You're going up against Ole Miss's defense here, man. You've got to imagine he runs, he runs wild with his Ole Miss defense. Nah, I, I just don't see it. Well, I can imagine him running wild, but I don't imagine him throwing well. Like, I don't see him having the receivers that he had last year. And it's just... Yeah, it, I, just, I just don't see Malik Cunningham as a good quarterback anymore. Like, I, I, I feel like he's just DTR light, which is not bad. But if I, if I, if your opponent has a better, uh, you know, if they're up by 20 or 30 points, Malik Cunningham is most likely the one to let you down. See, this is, again, where I'm going to hardcore disagree with you. Because, like, again, one of the things I've been being in the drum on with Crum, um, Dustin Crum, is you have to get a quarterback who has an easy start to their schedule. And one of the names I keep telling people, if you're going to grab Justin Crum, grab somebody like Malik Cunningham, who, while Dustin Crum's off uh, dying against Texas A&M, you got Malik Cunningham over here facing against a pitiful Ole Miss defense. And I mean pitiful. Again, you're right. He's losing a lot of receiving options. We're not entirely sure who those options are going to be. But even at the same time, he's got his legs still. He's got his tight end, Marshawn Ford, still there. And honestly, I'm going to put Marshawn Ford out here as a, a guy you could possibly start this week. Like, like um, again, this is going to be a high-scoring game. So many people are going to get touchdowns out of this game. I see no reason why not to just take a flyer on a guy or two if you are in trouble. If, 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 you're, if you're stuck at receiver, why not throw in Braylon Sanders? Why not throw in uh, Ontario Drummond? Why not throw in John Rice Plumley? if you believe that? If you're, if, you're Malik, if, if you're struggling at quarterback, if Malik Cunningham is for some reason available on your waiver wires, why the hell not pick him up and just start him against a pitiful Ole Miss defense? Just see what happens. Just see what happens. Marshawn Ford struggling at a tight end. This is a streaming tight end if I've ever seen one. And again, this is just two dual threat quarterbacks with plenty of options at we- of weapons going up against two pitiful defenses. I don't see how you can really lose in this game that much. We'll see. We'll see. I think Ole Miss blows Louisville out the water. I don't think it's going to be as close as people think. Let me, I, let me see I, what the I, spread I, is on this game. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. All right. The spread is, is Ole Miss, Miss minus 10. So you have it right that Ole Miss is expected to win. But honestly, again, these teams are going to score so many points. We'll see. I, I really don't believe in that Louisville uh, team anymore as much as I did last year and the year before. It, I it's, think it's, it's just because you got burned. Nah, it's too much that they lost, and yeah, I got burned. And the fact that I did get burned just and it's just Malik Cunningham. I, I, I still would if I would get if 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 I got Malik Cunningham like late, late, then I'd understand. But no, I I wouldn't take that. Chance. This is again, down but to, if you got him late, like this is the game to start him in, as far as I'm concerned. Nah. Anyway, those are all the over/under games. Those are the games where if you're just struggling to pick somebody. 
um like you're you're trying to decide between i don't know like uh let's see what, what's the game we talked about earlier like if you're trying if you if you have like uh Jahan Dotson or Chris Olave and you're just like oh god who do I start these guys are like relatively similar in my rankings it's like okay I'm gonna go Chris Olave because that team's expected to score more this week like th- like these are the games where this is the list of games right here that I think you could just go to and say all right this is like if all else fails these these games are expected to have a lot of scoring opportunities so with all that being said that really concludes our week one preview um i know we said we were going to try to keep these about an hour but guess what i'm a liar y'all and uh so we went on a little bit longer than we really uh, i mean a lot a bit longer than we typically will with these previews and everything a lot of it has to do with the fact that we got all these step chart news and everything today so we had to run through all that real quick and we have a lot of great games this week so next week we'll probably cut it down just a little bit more but even so, great weekend of football ahead of us. Very excited about it. I'm sure all of y'all who know that we're Georgia fans are going to be tweeting at us during that entire game, no matter if it's going well or going badly for us. You know how it is. So, again, I'm looking forward to this first week of college football. Xavier, what do you got to say? Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to this first week. It's going it's to be a great week, a lot of great games. Uh, make sure you tune in for our, uh, our Kings Class show. Uh should be probably around on Wednesday. Uh, yeah, because our first game is on Thursday, if I'm not mistaken. We have who? – who's our first – oh, yeah, we have Ohio State. We have Ohio yeah. State. We have Garrett Wilson, I believe, um, and CJ. Um, so we'll definitely get that out uh, for us to discuss who we're going to start, uh, some waiver wire pickups we've made. But, yeah, it's it's finally here. We're back in the season. We're ready for the grind, uh, the ups and downs. So we look forward to, you know, interacting with you all, and we can't wait. And see y'all next episode. Alrighty. Uh, y'all don't forget to make sure you subscribe to the channel. Uh, please leave some comments and likes down below. It is great interacting with y'all down there in the comments when you can. So please, if you have any thoughts, just leave them right down there. I will be right here to answer any questions you might have. Uh, if you want to get us on Twitter, I am at CFF underscore Jared. He is underscore CFF underscore Xavier. And... Uh, yeah, those are the main places you can get us. If you're on the Discord with CFF site, I'm on there constantly. So if you want, ever want to ask me a question, I'm right there. I'm um, trying to think of any, anything else really to say here. But yeah, y'all, the season's here, fully here, and we can't wait for this to get started. So y'all have a fantastic day, and we will see you next time.